Welcome to the Design of Communication podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Keeling, and this podcast is about how you can become a confident communicator as a design, tech, or creative professional. Sharing career strategies, language tips and insights, and communication techniques to become a powerful communicator and excel in your career and reach a new level of confidence in English. Many people who speak English as a second language either fall into the category of using very informal language or very formal language. They typically use informal language because they've learned English by being immersed in the language and they've learned in a relaxed environment. And by being immersed, I don't necessarily mean you live in an English-speaking country, although many do for some time, but it can be that you watch a lot of TV shows and you listen to a lot of English. And typically, what you listen to are examples of everyday, informal slang English. And you watch TV series like Friends or Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, by the way, is a brilliant show. And especially because it has the mix of being very British and using American informal language. On the other hand, some learners have a very formal type of language learning, and they will learn language perhaps at university or in their job, in a business environment. I have a great example of this. A friend of mine once told me, I am going to purchase my groceries from Tesco. And if you didn't know, Tesco is a famous supermarket in the UK. Now, it was a bit unusual to say this. To purchase is a synonym of to buy, but to an English speaker, it sounds a little strange to say purchase, especially for everyday items. It isn't incorrect, but typically we purchase items that are more expensive or a single big item. For example, I've just purchased a new home or I've purchased a new car. And it's used in more formal situations, whereas buy is for everyday things, like I'm going to buy some new clothes. One issue that learners can face is how to know which language is appropriate in each situation. Do I sound too informal or am I using English that isn't really appropriate? In my example with buy and purchase, my friend was using perfect grammar, language, pronunciation, but the language, the vocabulary choice wasn't necessarily appropriate for the situation or the relationship with the listener. This is why it can be difficult to know when to be formal or informal in our language use. And typically, we would use informal English with friends and children and relatives. And we use formal language when writing emails or letters or essays and in business situations. 
There are times though when I've worked at a bank or in a shop and it would be typical to be relatively formal with customers, especially when I was working on the phone as formal language is usually much more polite. But once you start to build a relationship with someone, you might be more casual and spontaneous in your language, which means you might use more slang. And I will explain a little bit about why this happens in just a moment. And there are times when native speakers will use inappropriate language, either intentionally to be rude, but it might also be unintentionally. They aren't aware that they are using inappropriate vocabulary. As I spoke about in last week's episode, it's important to be aware of the language you're using as you might cause offense without knowing it. Using informal language in a situation that requires formal language could make others feel quite uncomfortable. In today's episode, I'm going to be sharing five examples of professional formal language and their alternative informal slang version. I'm also going to be sharing a more standard version with examples of when they're used in real life situations. And I know how popular my vocabulary focused episodes have been. So I'm really looking forward to sharing this one with you. But before I share the five examples with you, I want to explain about register. Register is the term we use to talk about particular varieties or styles of speaking. And it's not just for speaking, it's also for writing and even sign language. Registers vary because the language is used for different purposes, in different situations and for different audiences. And knowing which register to use in English can be challenging. Unlike languages like Spanish or French, there is no pronoun especially used in formal situations. So in Spanish, it's usted. And when you are too formal, let's say with your colleagues, it might make them feel that you want to distance yourself or that you don't want to form a relationship with them. You also want to be very careful about using language that is too informal because when we are very informal, it can seem too intimate, maybe awkward as well. Many of us think about informal and formal varieties and that's it. But actually, there's much more to it. Linguists have defined five different types of register and I'm going to share them with you. Firstly, there is one type of register that is even higher or more above formal and it's called a static register. And a static register is a way of communicating that never changes. And it never changes because typically it refers to historic language. So, for example, Romeo and Juliet, or the language used in verses from the Bible. Now, this isn't used in spoken English. It's usually written. So it's not really going to be the main focus, at least of today's episode. Then secondly, there is the formal register. And the formal register is used in professional, academic, or legal settings. 
And communication is very respectful. To give an example, it could be a speech or perhaps a business presentation. And usually it's much more impersonal. And then below a formal register is a standard form of communication. And this is known as a consultative register. And I would use this type of communication style to speak with strangers or to a manager or perhaps my doctor. The language is not so rigid as formal language, but it is still professional. I use this register typically on my podcast and also with my clients. You might occasionally use slang with a standard form of communication, but the tone is usually respectful. Then there is a casual register. This is informal language that is used by friends. You probably use this register on social media with co-workers and family members. I like to think of it as a chatty style of communication where you use lots of contractions and slang and even some swear words. And finally, there is one more register that is even more casual and intimate and one that you would say for private communication only. So it is the language you would use to speak perhaps of your parents, your children, your brothers and your sisters, your husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend. It could be something like an inside joke that is very private among your closest friends and family. And I think where people can go wrong is they are either using the formal register or a very casual register. And perhaps it would be safer to use a more standard form of communication, like the consultative register that I spoke about. As I said, informal language is more commonly used in situations that are more relaxed and with people we know well. As a general rule, use formal language when we're communicating with someone that you don't know very well. You're delivering your presentation, writing an email, a business proposal, in academic situations like writing, any legal documents, and in interviews. And I would use informal language in situations that are more relaxed and that involve people that you know well. And in everyday conversations, so in personal emails or text messages and on social media. And typically my advice is to match your communication style with the people that you're speaking to. If you have a very close colleague at work, you're likely to use some variation between a casual and a standard style of speaking. It's likely to change based on your environment. So if you're working together, then it's probably going to be more standard. But when you are out of work in a relaxed, informal environment, then you're probably going to be using more slang. Now, let's get into the phrases and language to use. I will first share the formal version, then a casual or slang variety, and then a standard version, which can be used with colleagues and in the majority of everyday situations. The first one I want to share with you is an adverb. And the formal version is fundamentally. And fundamentally means with regards to what is basic or essential. 
and you use fundamentally for emphasis when you are stating an opinion or perhaps when you're making an important or general statement about something. You can use this in formal speech or maybe a presentation. For example, the idea was fundamentally flawed. And I would use this in business meetings or when speaking to superiors, delivering a speech, a presentation. And as I mentioned, typically all of the formal language is used in writing. So if I was sending a letter or an email. And the informal or a slang version of this would be basically. And basically is a synonym. So it's used when you want to explain something but usually you might not have the depth of knowledge to explain it. And basically is one of those words that is overused. So because of that, it can have some negative connotations in English, at least in British English. And it's typically used by younger people. If I was giving an important presentation or speaking with my manager or professor, I would avoid using basically but I would say it with friends and family. Now, a third adverb which has the same meaning and it's more standard would be essentially. The findings were essentially the same as those reported below. And essentially is more on the formal side, while basically, while it's still a synonym, it has the connotation in English of being very simple, basic, simple. And simple gives the impression of having lower intelligence. So that's where the connotation really comes from. I have to add that I am sharing a perspective of a British English speaker. And it might differ because as I've spoken about before, culture does have an influence on the language usage and what is considered appropriate or perhaps more or less formal. Let's look at another one. The formal version is it concerns. It concerns. In fact, I have two formal varieties because you can also say it regards. For example, you ask your manager, what is the reason for the meeting tomorrow? It concerns the new investors or it regards the new investors. The informal version of this would be it's about. For example, I'm asking the same question, but to a friend, I would say, do you know why we're meeting with Sarah tomorrow? It's about her new job. And I wouldn't say it's very slang or very informal. A slang version would be more like we're going to chat about. And the neutral or standard version could be it has to do with. Why are they arguing? It has to do with money. Okay, the third one is an adjective. And the formal is acceptable. For example, how were the reports acceptable? Now, there are a few slang versions of acceptable. You might hear people saying a few variations of all right. So, for example, all right, or I'd just I-T-E, I'd. It's all right. And especially in British English, another is gravy. For example, I'm sorry. It's all gravy. Again, very British. It's all gravy. 
instead of it's all right. And a more standard version would be it's all right or perhaps it's okay. Now, the next one I want to share with you is a question type. And typically, when you're in a restaurant, a waiter may ask you, so this is more of a formal situation, would you like, would you like to see the menu? Would you like a cup of tea? And would is more formal and polite. Now, let's say you're visiting your very best friend. You are more likely to hear, do you want to? Do you want to go out? And we use the contracted form of want to as wanna in informal situations. So do you wanna? Do you want a cup of tea? And we might drop the do you and just say wanna, want a cup of tea. Or another way is fancy a cuppa or even want a cuppa. A more standard way of asking is do you want? Do you want to see the menu? Do you want a cup of tea? Perhaps if you are a guest in someone's home that you're visiting for the first time, you're more likely to hear, do you want a cup of tea or coffee? And in the UK, if you visit someone, you're likely to be asked this question. If you want to listen to a similar episode where I share very British words and expressions. Then after this, you might want to check out episode number 14, and it's called 20 Quintessentially British Words and Expressions. It's a really fun episode where I give you an insight into the British words and vocabulary and what we really mean. And yeah, I translated them for you. Okay, so we have one more example in this episode. And it's all about making a suggestion. And I wanted to bring this one to your attention because there are more formal and polite ways of doing it. The most formal way would be shall. Shall is used mostly in British English, but we can also make a suggestion with might, which again is very polite, very formal. For example, shall we work on the project today? And shall can be quite standard in British English, but it is considered formal for other English speakers. Another formal way of making a suggestion is using might. Might I suggest? Might I suggest we start working on the project today? This is very formal. And a slang way, as I previously mentioned, is wanna. Wanna work on the project today. And finally, a more standard or a neutral way of making a suggestion is by using the modal verb can. Can I suggest? Or you might say, can we work on the project today? I am asked about could and can and may. And I would say may and could are more formal and polite compared with can. May I use the bathroom? Or could I use the bathroom? May and could are, I would say, a bit more than standard. They are very polite, but not overly formal. The overly formal ones are when you say shall or might. Now, these are five examples with lots of different usages of slang and formal and standard English. If you have enjoyed 
all the examples. I know this is just a short and sweet episode today. And if you want to continue improving your vocabulary and your communication confidence in English, then check out my free workbook with the seven must-dos for confident English communication. And you can check it at guide.fluentspeakers.co.uk. And please feel free to reach out on social media if you would like to have a chat or if you want to know more about how we can work together. Thank you so much, my friend. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to The Design of Communication. If you have enjoyed today's episode and listening to the Design of Communication podcast, then please follow us on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts and share the link with a friend or colleague who will benefit. Any questions you might have, feel free to send them my way. I love hearing from you. Thank you so much. See you next week.